Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Right now, joining us on the air, we are so pleased to be able to introduce to some and to present to others, Dr. Terry Randall. She's an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at the Perlman School of Medicine, University of Pennsylvania. She is an attending physician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the Department of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Dr. Randall completed her undergraduate medical education at the George Washington School of Medicine in Washington, D.C. She pursued her graduate medical education training in adult psychiatry at Duke University Medical Center, completed her child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship training at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. What an amazing bio she has. Good morning, doctor. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for still agreeing to be on with me, even though I know you were expecting to be on with the awesome, amazing Andrea Lawful Saunders this morning. We're glad you didn't say no. I'm going to wait for Andrea to come back in. Our children... Our children. Of course, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Our children um, in this city and in cities across the country are going through a lot of stress. A lot of things are happening, um, things that they see on television, things that uh, they're experiencing at school or sometimes in their home, in their neighborhood. And so we have great concerns for the mental health of our children. Um, You are an expert in this arena, in this area. What can you say uh, to parents and other caregivers of children that we can do to make them comfortable and to, to just love them up so that they won't be scared all the time? Absolutely. I mean, there is a lot of fear out there that um, we all are experiencing. And one of the things that we can do for the children in our lives is actually just take care of ourselves because they learn um, a lot by looking at us. And I think um, there's a couple of things with taking care of ourselves. One is being open and honest about our own um, struggles. And then two, really making it explicit what you're doing to take care of ourselves. I think a lot of people kind of uh, do things without um, maybe explanation or it's just such a matter of routine. Oh, I uh, get my nails as a way to done as a way to relax mm-hmm. or I go for a walk. And I think sometimes laying it out of I'm doing this to take care of myself. I'm doing this to manage my stress. I'm doing this because this helps me feel good Yes, um, is a really important um, first step in being able to address these issues uh, with our youth. I think the uh, third part is just, you know, helping to decrease the stigma around these conditions um, by being open and by um, being able to talk about it and not... um, only in pejorative ways or, oh, that person's crazy or uh, there's something ain't right with her. Right. (laughs) Um, But really addressing that, you know, there are uh, people who struggle with different things um, 
and they deserve understanding, compassion, and you have that for yourself, for others, and for your children. Um, and I think those are some some basic things that can really go a long way with allowing children to open up um, and express their concerns. Now, what about uh, Ritalin and some of the other drugs that have been uh, prescribed for, for children? Often, I have heard in past interviews that I've done with some other experts that it is children of color that seem to be uh, prescribed uh, these uh, medications more often than any other uh, children of other nationalities when they're having problems at school, behavioral problems. Um, how does a parent know when to say, no, I don't want that for my child? When is it right to say no? And is it right to say no? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think that it really comes down to um, whether or not you, you're in a, the, the family is in a position to, um, well, let me take a step back. Ritalin is a medication that is prescribed for ADHD, mm-hmm. attention deficit hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it is a very, um, it's, it's a type of stimulant medication. And the stimulant medications um, can really do a great job. And they're very effective at managing the symptoms of ADHD. Mm-hmm. I think the, um, the question and the challenges is, um, do you, is there really sufficient evidence that this child has ADHD? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, behavior problems can be from a lot of different things. It can be anxiety. It can be um, because of a learning difference. Um, kids can act out um, to kind of uh, take take the attention off the learning challenges that they're having. And now um, people don't notice the struggles that they might be having in math or reading or their academics. Um, it can be a symptom. A lot of that hyperactivity and inattention can be due to trauma. So I think the first thing is, is making sure you are treating the right condition. And if you are treating ADHD, if there is a supporting evidence that that is what go, that is what is going on and there's not another issue that would be better treated in another way, um, medication can be very helpful. And the, um, the important thing to also note is that not treating has consequences too. Um, if kids are really having difficulty, mm. they can end up disconnected to school with school. Yes. Um, not interested in school, it can set them up for um, substance use issues. So there is a risk of not treating these issues. Um, but, you know, treatment can look a, a very different. You know, sometimes kids need, I've had families come and say, you know, I knew that my kid was going to struggle in school mm-hmm. um, with these um, challenges. So I homeschooled them, yes. you know. Yes. Um, 
So there's a lot of different ways to options. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Okay, so Dr. Terry Randall, she's our guest right now, Assistant Professor of Clinical Psychiatry at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, also attending physician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Now, I want to give you a quick scenario. Um, Someone that I know some years ago, a a young mother had a a child in elementary school and a little boy, and he had a crush on a little girl at school. And he was sending her little love notes, passing notes in class and what have you. And so, and, and one of the notes, the little girl said something to the effect of, I don't want to talk to you. And the little boy was heartbroken. And he said, if you don't want to talk to me, I'll kill myself. I could just kill myself. Well, the teacher intercepted the note. And the next thing you know, the parents were called up to the school and the little boy who wrote the note saying, I I could just kill myself. Uh, They wanted to call in a psychologist for him. And they wanted to, this is at Philadelphia Public School. And they wanted to take him from the school straight to um, uh, some center where a psychiatrist was to to see him. Well, the mother, as she shared the story with me, um, she said, well, wait a minute, let me call my friend who's a psychiatrist, a psychologist. And so she mm-hmm. called a friend on the phone. The psychologist said, mother, get your son, get your handbag and get up out of that school as fast as you can. Do not allow them to send you on down to um wherever to some center to see a psychiatrist because the school is going to categorize him and they will carry that with him till he graduates in 12th grade. And at the time, uh, the little boy was like in third grade when he wrote this little note. And I thought about, I said, I can think of times when I made a mistake, maybe on a article, a news article. I was like, Oh my God, I could kill myself. How can I leave that out? How can I leave that important part of the story? I could kill myself. But those words, I could kill myself. I'm not not killing myself. I'm a punk. I would never kill myself. I'm going to wait till God calls me home. But so we have to be careful with the words we use as well. But a child probably heard his mother say that. How many times? Over little stuff. Oh, she had a mistake in the kitchen. I messed up dinner. I could kill myself. So what do you do in a case like that? Was that mother advised properly? Do you think, in your opinion, to just leave the school, take your kid, go, go home because... They're going to categorize him. They're going to stigmatize him for the rest of his time at, at, at school. Um, it's, it's a tough call, I'll say, in that um, I'd like to think that that isn't the case, mm-hmm. um, that the schools operate with, um, they're very cautious with the idea that um, as soon as they get, it, it, it's kind of a CYA situation. Well, we heard about something, so we have to make this um, recommendation. At the same time, um, the likelihood of this child um, actually meaning that right. and not in that offhand way that you're saying, like we, we all say um, all kinds of things like, oh, you know, kill me now or you know but I, mean, uh, yeah, I could just kill myself or right. you know oh, I could die I'm, you know um, and 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 it's just things that people say um, it, it's become in some ways just uh, part of our our, our slang our yes, vernacular yes. and it doesn't have Gotta intention be mm-hmm. behind it mm-hmm. um, so I, I I agree that um, the parent should know their kid best, and yes. if they are not concerned about this, um, then um, I think that a trip 
to uh, a crisis response center, which is where they would have referred okay. the child, mm-hmm. yes. um, would, would not be necessary. At the same time, um, there are young children who are really struggling with mm-hmm. depression. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the fastest uh, uh, areas um, of increasing suicide is um and black youth um and including black males which um historically has been quite low exactly but lovely Mm -hmm. these these numbers are 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 increasing rapidly do you think the pandemic Um, had something to do with that doctor because that is some i've heard a few reports on major news networks that sort of lend to that theory that you know all the pandemic kids were home they got so bored with being homeschooled and going to classes by way of zoom and they were just depressed absolutely i think it's a number of factors around that same time we were having issues of uh, kind of a, a racial yes. reckoning unrest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those issues um, played a role. Um, in addition, uh, the uh, social media, um, there's also indications that the more time ki- kids spend in social media, um, that can impact their mood, that kind of that fear of missing out or being left out or um, bullying or just um, not being able to escape kind of violence and just having a lot of these images. I think that just having kind of the world at your fingertips um, and being able to kind of go down a rabbit hole of information Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. um, can also be overwhelming. Um, And all those stressors, I think, um, kind of culminated um, in what we're seeing now with the worsening mental health of young people. Now, in the African-American community, even though it's 2024, we are still um, uh, we have challenges as 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 a community addressing mental health concerns. And, and so we like to sort of sweep things under the rug. And, and sometimes I think maybe because of that, we might see an issue that we think could be a problem with someone in our family, children, or maybe people a little older, teenagers, what have you. But we, um, you know, I don't want anybody to think we got anybody crazy in my family. So you don't yeah. say anything and you don't yeah. do anything. You don't get any help for your child. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I think for a long time, people also don't think that kids can get depressed. Um, or, mm. you know, what do you have to be crying about? Um, <laughs> I'll give you something to cry about. Um, so, um, you know, but, you know, getting through, uh, life these days, mm. um, for young people is, is really challenging. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of stressors that I don't think, um, you know, older generations have had to deal with. Yes. Um, and, and I think that um, being able to, uh, one, seek help um, and be honest about uh, the challenges that you're seeing in your children, um, being able to talk to that, um, talk to, about it with uh, a family physician, their pediatrician can really be the first step um, to um, helping them get help. And it may be really 
um, brief interventions. Um, there can be just a lot of different things that we can do that doesn't necessarily mean that someone needs to um, be in therapy for years or be on medication. Um, uh, so I think that our our fear of um, speaking and looking for help and kind of trying to brush things under the rug or just simply pray them away um, is, is in some ways a natural response for are people who've not always been treated well yes. in the uh, medical system or in the public health system where, you know, you start to seek help and then you might end up with um, DHS involved, mm-hmm. children and youth yes. involved yes. and all these other things. And so, um, you know, I think that that those fears um, are not aren't, don't come out of um, nowhere. Mm-hmm. At the right. same time, we still need to be able to address these issues when they start to becoming um, a concern. I think the other issue that is sometimes a stumbling block for our community and other communities where there may be people who are low income is the money factor. And if I don't have insurance, and so here I am, I'm a mother, I have a child that's acting out. I'm thinking to myself, they could probably use some help. They could, I need some help for them, but I'm, I don't have health insurance. So again, I do nothing. I just sit there. And there is uh, available help, crisis response centers, like you said, um, that when, when there's an issue uh, that's a, a health issue and mental health, um, you can uh, find and seek out uh, services and, and people like yourself, professionals who can work with our children to dissect what's going on, to talk to them and to, to get to the bottom of the concerns and to hopefully make them better. Absolutely. And oftentimes when you seek help, there will be people who will help you navigate the mental health um, care system, help get you insurance um, or get on um, Medicaid or see what you can um, afford or Mm -hmm. can apply for. Um, That being said, you know, it it. It is really a challenge navigating the mental health system, and um, and it really shouldn't be um, for people who are in distress, um, having to spend you know hours um, trying to figure out who's in network. If you have, even if you have insurance, mm-hmm. that doesn't make it that you're not unfortunately that much of a step ahead mm-hmm. um, to try and figure out okay who accepts your insurance. Who are the people on the panel actually um, still accepting it? Um, are they accepting new patients? Yes. Do they actually see children? Um, and if they do, if you get yeses to all those things, um, now you're still looking at months waitlist. Mm. Um, so, exactly. When you're sick, you're sick right now. Yep. Oh my yep. lord. Mm. So it really is, um, you know, a challenge. And then. You know, people are scouring the Internet to figure out, Okay, well, what can I do in the meantime Um, and and trying to parse out what is the good information and what is the not so good information and how to um, and how to proceed. So I think from many perspectives, it's a very challenging situation. 
Dr. Terry Randall is our guest right now. We're really talking about the mental health of our children today. That's where she is an expert. She's assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at the Perelman School of Medicine, University of Pennsylvania. She's also an attending physician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, the number one hospital in the nation as far as I'm concerned. We love Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and the University of Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, certainly this, this subject is a, is a serious subject. It's one that uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Vincent Hughes was very passionate about. And for a number of years consecutively, he used to hold a conference. It was a two-day conference call um, in the site. Uh, no, no, stop. It was about mental health and stopping the silence around mental health. And and it was so very important. He brought together a, a lot of professionals like yourself and then other caregivers of people who have mental health challenges. And I, I'm hoping that that's something that he will bring back or that other elected officials or organizations in our city will bring back because as a community, we in the black community, in the African-American community, we need to talk about mental health more, not just for our children, but for older people as well, because it can cause serious problems. And, and if um, a young person um, is acting out and, um, um, and not listening and, and, and want to be argumentative and actually get physical and want to fight, police are called. Somebody calls yeah. the police. And now, depending yeah. on which police officers show up, we might really have a problem. And it won't be yeah. a good thing and it won't end in a good way. So people have got to be more sensitized. And even um, when there's opportunities for mental health training for uh, civilians, for 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 mm -hmm. regular for lay people like myself, I think it's kind of a wise move to take advantage of those kind of trainings just so that if something is happening in our community or in our home. And I'm not trying to say you got to be the hero for every situation, but maybe there's something that you can do to be helpful. Absolutely. Um, and there are um, trainings um, available. Uh, there's a first aid for mental health. Yep. I and took that one. I oh, took that wonderful. one through the city of Philadelphia Department yes. of Behavioral Health. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was a mandatory training I had to take for my job. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that can be, and they have one specifically for teens as well. And that can really be um, another thing that people can um, that can be really helpful that uh, families can do to help um, address uh, these concerns. But you're absolutely right. I think um, having more symposium where people can ask questions, where people can be educated um, and, and learn what they can do and how they can support one another is really important um, because, um, you know, knowledge is power. Yes. and. And, and, and you're right. And, and, and mental health just intersects in so many different ways um, it, with the law enforcement, with social service agencies, with the school system. And we need to address these things from many different ways. Um, and I think we all can figure out like, where is how we can fit into that and how we can promote health and mental health um, from, in different avenues. Um, and one of the things that you were saying um, that also um, made me think of uh, with the kid acting out is substance use. And mm. the fact that also when we look at how things impact older people is substance use as well, because that is one of those issues that often starts in childhood yes. um, and adolescence, but can have lifelong impacts and people can struggle with that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
and, and other mental health issues too, um, a lot of them start in childhood. Um, so being able to address these things early on can really make a big impact. I thank you for sharing the information that you came with today. And I wish we had more time. I'd love to open up the phone lines and let listeners talk to you. I'm looking at notes from Andrea Lawful Saunders, and I, I see that I was supposed to just keep you till 620, and it's already 627. So I better be respectful to your time, doctor, because I know that you've got a lot of work to do. I certainly do, but it is my pleasure to be here. I'm happy to come back yes. and talk more and would love to talk with listeners as okay. well. Okay. Um, Fantastic. I know Andrea is going to get you back in as soon as she can. Thank you so much, doctor. We appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 